We are in Ether chapter one today, and I actually just really, really love that Moroni was given this opportunity. I mean, these records were found by the people of Limhi, and we heard about it clear back then. But I love that we have Moroni who is including this. And the reason I love that is here's Moroni who says, how long I'll live, whether I die, I die, I know not. It mattereth not. And I love that he finishes his father's record and bears testimony. And then I just can't imagine how long he lived and what he did. But I love that the Lord allowed him this opportunity to include this record and to have the entire Book of Mormon in the Book of Ether. This People, so it's kind of like the whole story of the Book of Mormon wrapped up in the Book of Ether. And just the whole tale of righteous and wicked. And how following Christ leads to happiness. And how cutting him out of your life leads to utter destruction and misery. And I just think it's so awesome that here's Moroni who feels completely alone and he is given this opportunity to include this record and to hear about the prophet who witnesses the entire destruction of his people, records it, and literally goes through the exact same thing Moroni is going through. And I just think it is such a neat thing because to me it's such a witness that God does not remove the trial, but he walks in it with us and is so aware. And what a difference it makes to know God sees and knows and is aware and loves me. I just think it makes all the difference in the world. And coming off of just hearing about hearing conference, and talking to my seminary kids the last two days and asking them to share what their answers to prayer were in conference, it was neat to hear them say, you know, I was hoping that the prophet or the apostles would stand and say COVID was over, that this was done. But that is not the message we heard. Again and again and again, they testified. The message I heard was, hold on, I'm aware it will be worth it. You can do this. Christ is coming. And it was so cool to hear these kids testify to me and to each other of knowing that God is aware. And even though it's hard, we can do it. And to come away from conference feeling hopeful and not in despair. And I love this first chapter because to me, the whole theme of this is prayer. And so I just went to my notes and I was trying to remember who it was that gave the awesome talk on prayer. And it's Elder Ballard. And he says the whole source of all healing is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he told us to pray for our country, to pray for our leaders, to pray for the people. He said the best way to help at this time is to turn hearts to God and to seek heaven's help. And then I loved, he said, Joseph Smith showed us the example. God can change our hearts. He said, get off your knees, offer your prayer, get off your knees, and then do what you can to help. 
And he talked about Joseph's prayer, opening heavens, and then him acting. He also talked about the book of Enos and Enos, that two-thirds of it was prayer, but one-third of it was what he did to answer or to act on the answers he received in his prayer. And I love that. And then he ends with, redouble your commitment to prayer. And I just think that's the perfect way to start this um, chapter of the first chapter of Enos. So as you so we start chapter one with Ether is recording this. Ether's the prophet. He's going to witness the entire destruction of the people, much as Moroni does. He's going to end in his very last words. I was just looking to find them again is how long I live. I do not know. Um, let's see. I should have had the play saved because I just looked. I think it echoes so much what Moroni says. Whether the Lord will that I be translated or that I suffer the will of the Lord in the flesh, it mattereth not. If it so be, I am saved in the kingdom of God. And I just think it so echoes Moroni's attitude. And what a blessing and comfort for Moroni to know he is not the only one. He's the only one at this time, but there is meaning in it and God has a purpose and a plan. And it just, I would think for Moroni says, you know what, this has happened before. And I want to echo the words of Ether, whether I live or not, it mattereth not as long as I am with God in the end. What a powerful example for all of us. But to me, it is really touching that Moroni is given this as just a comfort. You're not the only one who's done this. And I see you and I'm so aware of you. And so I love that. Okay, I find it really interesting that... Um, Jared comes to his brother again and again and says to him, pray. And I love in 34, the brother of Jared being a large and mighty man, a man highly favored of the Lord. Jared, his brother said, cry unto the Lord. He does not confound us that we may understand our words. And I love that he goes to his brother. And the reason I love this is it reminds me of Nephi when he goes to his father Lehi and says, where should we go look for food? And I, it just witnesses to me that somehow there's an align, a line of authority. Somehow there is a reverence for this brother. And I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's the birthright. I don't know if it's because he's the oldest. I don't, I don't know. But something in that is really touching to me and very humble about Jared because he comes up with the ideas again and again, obviously knows the Lord will answer those prayers. So he himself is a great man of God, but yet he constantly goes to his brother. And I, I just find that really touching that he doesn't think I can just do this myself, but he goes to his brother. I'm sure he knows if I pray, the Lord will answer our prayers, but I love that he goes to his brother. Okay. And it came to pass the brother of Jared did cry to the Lord. And the Lord answers their prayers and does not confound their language. And one of the things that's really, really good in verse 34, it says, being highly favored of the Lord, that's how it describes the brother of Jared. Um, in 1 Nephi, you remember hearing in conference, there was a talk, and they talked about in verse 1, chapter 1, we so often quote, I, Nephi, having been born of goodly parents, 
But then it goes on and says, nevertheless, having been highly favored of the Lord in all my days and recognizing the goodness of God is truly a godly attribute. Having gratitude for all he's done for us is a godly attribute. And it's amazing because Nephi is going to leave Jerusalem and he's going to have really a hard life. If you look at Jacob and Joseph's blessings, both of them, Lehi says, you were born in the wilderness of our affliction. They did not get to experience life in Jerusalem and wealth that Lehi had. And yet Nephi's description is being highly favored of God. So I don't know that he equates that to worldly goods or where they lived or an affluence or an easy life. He attributes that to having a knowledge of God and his goodness and having a relationship with God. And I think here we come with the brother of Jared as they're going to go across all these waters and have all of these trials and and a hard thing to find a promised land, much like Nephi did. And yet, it says being highly favored of God. And here they've, you know, the tower, the languages are being confounded. The people are extremely wicked. That's why it's happening. Nephi's day, all the people in Jerusalem are extremely wicked. That's why they're leaving. And yet, both say being highly favored of God. That has to do with our relationship with God and answers to prayer and recognizing his hand in our life and knowing he's pleased with us and using us. And so all of us can really get to a place where we can say, I have highly been favored of God and it should have nothing to do with finances or um, the world around us. It should have everything to do with our relationship with God. And so I really love this. Um, one of the questions I did have is it's interesting that he says, Jared says to his brother, go and ask the Lord not to confound our language. Does that mean it happened in stages? Does that mean it was a gradual thing? Because I just find that interesting. Like, well, how did you know he's going to? Has it already happened? And then how did you communicate that? Please ask him to take it away from us. It's just an interesting thought. I don't know. And so it comes to pass, he doesn't confound him and her and his brothers, his brother. And then Jared goes again and says, okay, now ask if he won't our friends. See if he'll, the, that he'll bless our friends that we'll be able to communicate with them too. And then it tells us in 37, both their friends and their families were also not confounded. And the thing I have right there that I would ask is what blessings are there that you are seeking for in your life that it's possible we're being kept from because we're not asking. And one of the thoughts I had come to mind is in conference in Elder Ballard's talk, I believe, they told us to pray that the doctors would be led and scientists would be led to a vaccine for COVID. And that had not ever even entered my thoughts. I've prayed very much that the world will be blessed and that people will be protected and that the death rate will continue to go down and and that you know we'll do what we need to do that will be inspired but it had not entered my thoughts that we need to pray for a vaccine. And so I really love that thought. What blessings in our life are we being kept from because we're not asking? Because here's such a powerful example of the Lord being so willing to do it, but you have to ask. And I love that he has the faith. Okay. And 38 um 
I, I love again that he recognizes the priesthood authority and then says, maybe it will be that the Lord will carry us to a choice land above all. Ask him. So again, he's recognizing his brother's religious mantle or being the head of the family, whatever it is, and having him. But it sure seems it's Jared that has the faith and the great questions to come and say, um, go ask him. I know he'll answer. And I just think that's really cool. And so he does. And the Lord does tell them, yep, I have a land for you. And I think the Lord's just totally pleased with their faith. And it reminds me in 41 as they have to gather flocks and animals of every kind of Noah. And here's the thing. The Lord requires work. And I love in 42, it says, And when thou hast done this, thou shalt go at the head of them down into the valley, which is north. There I will meet thee. But what that means is you've got work to do. You've got things you've got to take care of. When you have done that, come there. I'll be waiting and then we'll go from there. And the Lord really does require work. What is your next step? What is my next step? What would the Lord have us do? He requires work. And then he meets us and tells us the next step. And that reminds me of President Eyring's talk that he said, the Lord often only gives me a step or a two at a time. He doesn't show me the whole big picture. And what a blessing that is that he doesn't. I think of Joseph Smith in the Grove of Trees. And if he had knelt as a 14-year-old and asked the Lord what church is true, and then what if the Lord came down and said, none of them, and I'm going to have you start the new one and go pick your apostles. And we've talked about this before, um, how I've, I've brought that up before. Luckily, the Lord only told him what he needed to know right then. And then it was three years of heartache and hardship and him finally, after three years, pouring his heart out again. I'm sure he prayed all those three years. But getting to a point where he was like, are you disappointed? What have I done wrong? And just, I need to know if my standing still okay with you. And pouring his heart out. And then the Lord says, okay, now I have this record. I want you to translate. But not for four more years. And preparing him still. And so I love this. That this is such an example in our lives. That oftentimes the Lord says, this is what I want you to do next. Then I will meet you. And then I will tell you. And he does require work. The Lord does require work and sacrifice. And I love that example here. And then it says, And there will I bless thee and thy seed, and raise up unto me of thy seed and of the seed of thy brother, and they who shall go with thee a great nation. And there shall be none greater than the nation I will raise up unto me of thy seed upon the face of the earth. And thus I will do to thee, because this long time you have cried to me. I love that he's raising them to him, to be his people. And I love that's what we're here for, to be his children. And he will recognize us by our faith and our doing what he has asked. But I really love that it's a blessing from them crying unto him. And so really goes back to Elder Ballard's whole conference talk on prayer and us redoubling our efforts in prayer. And I love that. That seems like something very easy for us to do. And the promise is that things will get better if we do. So at least we can pray. I hope you know the church is true. And more than that, I hope you know how much the Savior loves you.